thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. Welcome to Wellness Women Radio for the women with big dreams who dare to be different and who want to thrive in health, work and play. Dr. Ashley Bond and Dr. Andrea Huddleston bring you a weekly podcast to help you master true health and create an exceptional life. Thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Wellness Women Radio. I'm Ashley. And I'm Andrea. And we are the Wellness Women. So exciting because today we're diving back into one of our very core foundational uh, topics that we love to talk about, and that is all things women's health and hormones. So this is a, a really important one because so many women are struggling with this, and I would suggest the majority of women at some point in their life will all experience these symptoms of what we're going to chat about today, which is estrogen dominance. Awesome. Um, and Ash, how good are we like on a roll being like consistently back at the mic? I think we're doing great. <laughs> Look, and big credit to my husband who is doing the babysitting while uh, we're recording. So if you do hear a little squeak or a squeal, it's just because um, he's doing his very best with a newborn baby. And I'm very proud of him for uh, for handling that as well as he is, because I think most dads would be like at arm's length with a newborn going, my God, what do I do with this thing? <laughs> oh, Pete is absolutely amazing. I can definitely attest for that. It's like awe-inspiring watching you guys it's so beautiful oh, um, look teamwork it takes teamwork and that's also a bit uh, about what this is too today with estrogen dominance because i find that most people cannot solve this problem alone it takes teamwork to get their health back on track mm-hmm. yeah definitely uh, now ladies i know you've heard us talk about estrogen estrogen dominance all sorts of hormonal disruption through many of the podcasts but we realized that we haven't actually gone into detail about this and we haven't actually talked about um, what it would look like, what a lot of the symptoms are that are associated with this, why it's such a problem, but also what you can do to kind of take charge of this as well. And interestingly enough, um, whenever I do hormonal testing, almost every single time without fail, when I'm testing, um, you know, reproductive hormones, most women are estrogen dominant to the point of, you know, they're producing toxic levels of estrogen. And this is true for men as well. Um, And let me just preface this by saying that we need estrogen. We need balanced levels of this. Guys need a little bit less than us. Um, but it's so important because estrogen is what defines us as a woman. You know, this is this is your femininity. This is your, um, you know, your womanly shape. This is that archetypal female body that is all um, thanks to, you know, gorgeous estrogen production. So, Estrogen is one of our sex steroid hormones. Uh, it, there's three different categories of estrogen in particular. So there's E1, which is estrone, uh, which is produced by the ovaries as well as the adrenal glands and some peripheral tissue as well. Um, there's E2, which is estradiol, which is mostly produced by your ovaries. Um, this is the one that calms down after menopause. And then there's E3, which is estriol, which is mostly only ever produced in high amounts during pregnancy. So this is synthesized by the placenta. So Ashley would have been producing stacks amounts of this um, when uh, when you were pregnant with Ollie. Um, it was interesting. I did some hormone testing with a patient recently and I got her test results back and all three of her estrogen levels, every single one of them was off the charts elevated. And I I looked at it and went, oh my goodness, she's pregnant because Mm. there's no other explanation for why E3 could be that high. Um, And I called her straight away and she's like, nope, definitely not pregnant. So (laughs) So clearance issue? 
Uh, definitely a clearance issue yeah. and, uh, you know, a few other things going on as well. But it was really interesting to look at that and go, oh, my goodness, she's pregnant. Um, yeah. But she wasn't. So, um, and that powerful thing is that um, estradiol is the most potent form, okay? So that's, that's yes. you know, we're looking at and just for your information, it's 12 times more potent than the estrone and 80 times more potent than the estradiol. So if you, you know, like if you've got dominance in all of them, that's a really massive imbalance happening right there. Yeah, and it's pretty rare in my experience to see E3 that high, um, mm. particularly if they're not pregnant. Um, so estrogen is the hormone that's responsible for that first part of our cycle, right? So from um, day one of your cycle to the point of ovulation, this is when estrogen is highest. Um, it's also the hormone that gives us, like I said before, our beautiful womanly shape. It develops our breasts, our butts, our hips. Um, it makes our skin really nice and taut and plump. Um, it makes our bones strong as well, which is why that your bone mineral density when approaching menopause is something that we need to, you know, make sure that we're maintaining really good levels of. Um, Estrogen is also really important for our mood. So it impacts the levels of bioavailable um, serotonin. Remember, serotonin is that happy, feel-good neurotransmitter. So it helps to regulate mood. It helps to regulate sleep, even our appetite, and a whole bunch of other neurotransmitters as well. And during that first phase of our cycle, it's what I like to call or think about as like the proliferative hormone or, or that sort of growing hormone that helps to mature the egg in the ovary that then releases it and it also softens the lining of the cervix which allows for the sperm to pass through um, around that time of ovulation which is incredibly amazing that our body does all of these things and that that hormone in particular is responsible for that um, good levels of estrogen will also keep your libido um, on track so you know feeling really nice and good and juicy and loved up when you know <laughs> your cycle sort of accounts for that um, when we're talking about estrogen dominance, what I mean is elevated estrogen in proportion to progesterone. Yeah, it's all so, about the ratio. So it's all about yeah, estrogen exactly. progesterone ratio, which is why it can affect a woman at any age. Because a lot yeah. of people think that once you hit menopause, it's not going to be such an issue because estrogen levels drop and all the rest. However, we see huge numbers of our patients who are postmenopausal and they are still suffering the symptoms of estrogen dominance and they say but hang on I thought that that was going to go once I hit menopause um, and they were hanging out for menopause in some ways because they'd been told that some of the things like their endometriosis and that would become less of a, an issue for them later on and um, unfortunately they hit the harsh reality that that's not the case and today we're going to talk about why that is and why that any woman and every woman um, is at risk of estrogen dominance at any time in their life. What are some of the things that it looks like yeah. too? I mean, um, how, how do you know? I think we should people say, okay, what's estrogen dominance? So you've told us what estrogen is. We know it's a girly hormone. We need to know about that. Um, how do I know if I've got it or what would be what the it, signs and signals? Like? Yeah, because you said, you know, lowered sex uh, and libido, mm -hmm. so, so sex drive is lowered. But there's so many other signals there that is why it's such a hard thing to diagnose or to, uh, I guess, give you a, a real significant um understanding that that's your problem because it presents in so many quirky ways yeah it certainly does but remember it doesn't just affect women no it also men affects men yeah. as well so men can definitely have you know and in medical terms we call it disestrogenism so and in men this is going to look like your man boobs and muffin tops 
So that gynecomastia or that development of, of male breast tissue and that female pattern weight gain, which is, you know, like the, the muffin tops that guys definitely don't want either. Um, so this can be just as potent and just as much of an issue for guys as what it can be for women. Yeah. All right. So what does it look like? What kind of things are you going to have when you've got estrogen dominance? One oh. thing, um, <laughs> One thing in particular, and mostly for a lot of women, one of the most troubling um, sort of overt symptoms is weight gain. And it's weight gain in that sort of lower part of the body around the hips and butt area that's really difficult and hard to shift. Um, so that's that typical sort of uh, pattern presentation of it when you're looking at a woman who's kind of like that, do we call it like an apple shape? Is it is it, is it the apple shape or is it the pear shape that we sort of see? No, I think it's the pear shapes because they're bigger in the butt. So that's your typical estrogen dominant and it's kind of that top of the thighs um, kind of area as well. Um, that is that estrogen dominant look. Um, the other things that can happen is any kind of cycle disruption. So this can be anything from really, really heavy periods um, to horrendous PMS. Um, and remember, this is in relation to high estrogen, low progesterone, which is what's causing a lot of these symptoms, um, really painful periods as well, um, lots of breast tenderness, um, cyclical headaches or migraines that are associated with that as well. Um, and then as it gets more and more serious, this can also increase your risk of any of the estrogen-dominant cancers as well, including breast, uterine and ovarian cancer too. Yeah, and you can have some certain things, you know, depression, fatigue, interfertility issues. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, the major symptoms that you'll see from endometriosis, polycystic ovarian syndrome, um, potential, you know, cystic breast, fibrocystic breast, breast tumors, autoimmune disorders, anxiety and panic mm -hmm. attacks. I mean, it's so incredible how it can have a flow-on effect, not just on the physical symptoms, but also the psychological symptoms that can be uh, an indication of estrogen dominance. Yeah, big time. Uh, also, because of all the things that we talked about before, about how it modulates that mood um, and a lot of your neurotransmitters that are related to all of those mood receptors as well. Um, so estrogen plays a really big role in that. Um, we see in practice, though, this stuff really starts to hit home. Uh, often people already know about it. They get, you know, a degree of symptoms in their younger years. But once we start to hit that 30s, this is when a lot of these things really start to show up. And if you said it was, you know, maybe mild before, we're starting to see moderate and severe symptoms in women who are in their 30s, you know, peaking up into their 40s. Um, so, yeah, it's a big deal. And this is also one of the reasons why women say that they find it a lot harder to lose or shift weight when they get older or into their 30s as well. Um, and a lot of it is because of some of the hormonal imbalances that happen around then. Um, scarily enough, I'm seeing such higher incidences of this in younger women as well. Mm -hmm. um, so not just, um, you know, as we kind of approach um, menopause, but much younger, even in the teens and early 20s as well. And I think that there's two um, two culprits behind why or two main culprits behind why this is now such a big issue and is more prevalent now than what it ever has been. And those two things are the amount of emotional stress that we have in our lives at the moment, as well as our environmental toxins. Yeah, absolutely. Would you also throw in there the, well, this is, I guess, a form of environmental toxin, the use of birth control pill? 
Oh, totally. Yeah, because yeah. for me, it's just yeah. number one. It's just like, I yeah. feel like I'm talking to every every other woman who's on it and it's just like, wow, and yet they're all still showing um, either symptoms or signs of estrogen dominance and yet maybe the one overt issue that got them on the pill in the first place is, is a bit better, but there's all this cascade of other stuff going on and you think, well, hang on, it didn't really solve anything by, by going on that contraceptive pill, which is why we did a whole episode on what to do if you want to get off it um, because yeah. we really definitely promote, uh, you know, not mucking around with your biochemistry by using synthetic hormones. Um, we know that for some women, this stuff really uh, seems to help and can be really life-changing. But my mm-hmm. question is always how long and what secondary consequences will happen over time? You know, how long can this work for this person this way? Because eventually we're going to come down the road, maybe a decade, maybe even two decades and other stuff. And I believe more clinically significant and serious stuff is going to start to show up because your body can't continue to adapt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, how do we get these environmental estrogens? Because this is the big one. This is I'm I'm such a like <laughs> me with my uh, you know love of organic lifestyle and uh, and and why we avoid toxins in and environmental toxins in particular. The big one yeah. here is what they call xenoestrogens, and xeno means foreign estrogens, mm-hmm. and um and this can just these can be found in so many sources, and this is a big reason why men are dealing with the same issues that women are dealing with in terms of estrogen dominance because estrogen is actually environmental. It's not just being, you know, produced within the body. It's being absorbed. Uh, it's being ingested. It's being, mm-hmm. you know, consumed from the environment. And the best way that I can sort of describe this is that our current lifestyle, our current environment, pretty much bathes us in this estrogen bath all the time. Yeah. So it's almost like we're fighting a losing battle. So we've got to make sure that we have excellent health to make sure that our body can get rid of these things a lot easier, which I think is also um, a big contributing factor to the fact that we're seeing such a steep rise in the estrogen-dominant cancers as well, the estrogen-dependent cancers. Um, In terms of your environmental toxins, the two biggest culprits are your BPA and your phthalates. Um, You know, categorically, those two seem to be the ones that have the most estrogenic activity um that really disrupt our whole hormonal system so these are things that are generally found in plastics and um you know the phthalates actually sadly are found in most cosmetics and body Mm -hmm. care products so your shampoos and your um, skin moisturizers and all sorts of things i mean generally speaking the most common sources are things of bpa for example canned foods you're looking Mm -hmm. at plastics plastic food wraps styrofoam cups um all of your personal care products paints so even things like nail polish um cosmetics it's just in there detergents uh, fragrances perfumes i'm just mm-hmm. sort of just thinking of cabinets and cupboards what what you see in there in people's yeah. homes and you go wow this this and these and I, i've i've done you know in-home checks with people and and said like because they are saying well where is this stuff coming from and you look and you go wow that 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 and they're like oh my god that's like three quarters of my cupboard i'm like yeah it's crazy hey um and yeah. it's really concerning and how many people love air fresheners in their cars and things like that we just don't realize that these are all sources of these foreign estrogens and mm-hmm. Over time, you keep adding all of these little daily exposures uh, to estrogens in the environment from what we're eating and and the chemicals around us, and suddenly uh, we've got a really big problem. And if the body's not able to remove more than what we're putting in or the same amount as what we're putting in, then we've got imbalances, and that's when we start to build it up and we start to become estrogen dominant. So basically these foreign estrogens mimic 
the natural estrogen that's found in the body. They mimic what the cells naturally produce and they alter your hormonal activity. Yeah, exactly. Now, um, there's obviously other sources where you're going to have that xenoestrogenic activity as well, and and it can also be from the foods that we're eating too. Um, Now, there's very... um, mixed responses about soy at the moment. Um, There's lots of papers that show that, um, you know, the isoflavonoids and all of that sort of thing is really beneficial, whereas, you know, as far as I'm concerned right now, I am still like the jury is still out on this. Um, I haven't seen compelling enough research to support the use of soy that isn't in a fermented state um, that is going to be beneficial for the body. And this includes things like your soy lecithin as well, which is an emulsifier in pretty much everything. Mm. Uh, this includes includes soy milk, soy flowers, any of those sorts of products. Um, we know that it is absolutely a problematic phytoestrogen. Um, so be very, very weary of that. And I know that um, many people in their very well-meaning state might convert to, say, soy products thinking that they're Um, making a healthful choice, but we also know that most soy that we consume is genetically modified as well. And that's a really Um, common vegetarian switch, isn't it? We get away from meats and there's just so many meat-like products or substitutes that are actually based um, around the the soy. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, you know, most people go, if they're not having a a chicken cashew stir-fry, they'll throw in the the tofu or the, you know, soy-based products instead of the the chicken. So, yeah, again, phytoestrogenic foods and herbs can really have uh, an estrogen dominant impact. Um, I think it's also really important to, like, just as on another note there as well, um, because some women will, may have already known this anyway, but it's been shown to inhibit the conversion of T4 to the active T3 thyroid hormone. Yeah, um, exactly. And so it can also trigger hypothyroidism. So I really think it's um, if any sort of hormonal stuff's happening, if you're having thyroid imbalances or suffering estrogen dominance, you really need to minimize the consumption of phytoestrogens. Yeah, agreed. Um, and it's not just the soy um, that can be the problem. Um, even certain flax seeds can be shown to significantly um, increase or alter, um, not increase, sorry, but alter your estrogen metabolism as well. And conventionally raised meat is a really big one um, because in particular beef um, is pumped full of hormones and chemicals and those definitely um, are going to be interfering with your system as well. Um, So be very, very careful of that. Mm. Um, There's some other foods that have also been shown to, um, you know, have terrible effects on our estrogen metabolism and unfortunately those are all the fun stuff. So that's alcohol, caffeine, as well as dairy as well. If you think that's fine, I don't. But um, definitely the alcohol and caffeine, unfortunately, is going to impact your estrogen metabolism too. Okay. And then you mentioned the other big one is the stress, the stress component, stressful yeah, lifestyle leading to, you know, glandular dysfunction. Let's talk about that because I know that prolonged stress is just bad, full stop. <laughs> but let's talk about why on a hormonal level, um, stress acute leading into prolonged stress can actually, um, I guess, reduce the progesterone output. Okay, so it's really important what you just said there. It reduces the progesterone output. So when we're looking at that estrogen dominance, again, it's in relation to progesterone. So we're talking high estrogen, low progesterone. Um, And the reason why that happens is because when we're stressed, we're producing a lot of cortisol 
Um, cortisol needs other things to make more of it. And one of those things is progesterone. So through that conversion or that pregnenolone steel, it's using progesterone to make more cortisol and constantly robbing progesterone um, to make more and more and more of cortisol um, because of how stressful our state is in this modern world. And this is not just that um, stress that we have from, say, you know, our job or that mental anguish or that emotional stress. It can be any other form of stress on the body as well, which is creating that cortisol response. But as progesterone goes down, estrogen elevates because everything is in that ratio, that proportion. It has to work like a finely tuned instrument. As progesterone goes down, estrogen goes up. This is how, you know, that imbalance happens. Um, and then once you get into that kind of vicious cycle, it just exacerbates because as estrogen goes up, it, like you said, it suppresses thyroid function, which is going to interfere with our metabolism, um, which is going to then impact our ability to lose or gain weight. So typically we gain weight when thyroid function is, suppressed um, or impaired, that extra adipose tissue or that fat is its own endocrine producing organ. Yeah. And then in turn, the excessive estrogen causes insomnia and anxiety, which further taxes the adrenal glands. And you can see why this is just such a nasty, nasty cycle. And you imagine if you, um, you know, starts to then alter things like your blood sugar imbalances start to show mm -hmm. up, hormonal imbalances, and it can lead to things like adrenal fatigue, exhaustion, chronic fatigue syndromes as well. This is why we say it then becomes, you know, a major deal and often the early signs are missed. So estrogen dominance in its early stages is a big deal. You want to pick it up sooner than later because the cascade that occurs after that um, really does uh, affect quality of life and the road back from that state uh, of injury to the body. And I say injury because it is. It's a, such an imbalance that it's just shut down all these systems. You've got to rebuild and reboot and it's that's hard work. And a lot of ladies you are listening, you know that you've gone there or you've been there or you're there right now and you're thinking, oh, my God. And, yes, it is hard work and we can't sort of beat around the bush and say it's not, but it's really worth it. And the fact that you're listening to this episode, the fact that you tune into, you know, the podcast we share and you're investigating, exploring this stuff, um, you're already on the right path. So, you know, don't give up. It is hard work and you can get back to having your body in a balanced place that you deserve it to be so you can feel fabulous. Yeah, absolutely. Because it sounds and like doom and gloom. I hate, I hate sort of some of these episodes where it sounds like we're like, and this is the end of the earth because it's a vicious cycle. But then I'm like, but hey, hey, we work with our gorgeous patients every, you know, every day of the week and we know it's possible to come back from this. So don't give up. <laughs> Definitely. And some of the things that we'll get to in a second um, that you can start to do to actually change things is is not that difficult, but it just is the consistency that's required. Um, that final kind of link in that chain of, you know, the stress that goes on is once we're then putting on weight, once our thyroid function suppressed, um, we've got this constant estrogen that's recycling in our system. So all of a sudden, there's so much pressure on our liver and our gut as well to try and, you know, metabolize that estrogen. That process doesn't tend to happen very well. And then we just get that constant recycling of estrogen through our system and it's going nowhere and it just builds up. And then we um, end up with poor liver overloaded and uh, it's all breaking down. So let's talk about some solutions because I think now you've got the gist of it. There's some really nasty, yeah. you know, symptoms um, and there's some subtle symptoms that you need to look into and, uh, and look out for. There's sources of estrogens that 
such as the xenoestrogens, such as the side effects that occur from really chronic stressful lifestyle habits or lifestyle mm-hmm. experiences. Um, and of course, those health consequences are significant over time. So let's look at some steps of working ourselves back towards a more balanced state of um, hormonal harmony, I like to call it, because it is a harmony, isn't it? It's like a symphony, like you mentioned about yeah. the instrument. It's about all things playing their role the way they're meant to. And, um, you know, if we just let the cymbals bang whenever they want to, and we let the, the, the violins go off as they wish and the, the piano plays and the, the big drums go when they want, it's absolute, you know, disharmony. It sounds horrendous. But if you start to get all of this stuff working properly like the symphony it's meant to be, then we start to make music again. So let's talk about how we can make music in your body, how we can get things back in balance. Um, for me, the big one is just the environmental estrogens. You know, it's why yeah. I talk about living low-tox. Um, it's why that's my my website that I'm starting up. It's it's because I believe if we can avoid and eliminate some of the important sources of exposure to these harmful xenoestrogens, then we're in such a strong place of rebooting the body biochemically speaking. There's a lot of other things that need to be done, but firstly, eliminate the stuff that's being dumped into the body so you can then start to look at how you can decongest and restore the balance itself. So you can't keep adding stuff in um, and expecting yourself to get better from that point. Yeah, so absolutely ditch your plastics. Don't heat anything in plastic. Don't store it in plastics. Yep, you glass know, glass containers, glass bottles. Yeah, glass and ceramic, definitely a better way to go. Um, in terms of your personal care products, I know that it is um, can seem overwhelming to look at your cosmetics and go, you mean I have to get rid of all this stuff and replace it with crap that may not work and may not make me smell good? Um, so just one step at a time. Yeah, um, and go back to episode just, two and three. Remember we did that whole thing about how to look yeah. into your cupboards, how to detox your home, how to remove stuff? Because we first and foremost, we want you to remove the stuff that's overloading your body. So go back to those first couple of episodes because that's where, the real deal solutions and all of the um, nitty gritty full half hours on all of those things we're just about to talk about rather than just the throwaway idea of uh, we're talking about plastics to, to glass. There's so many other ideas and options there for you as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, you know, even just changing one thing at a time. So every time you run out of that deodorant that you've been using or that perfume, just switch it up. Um, and, you know, before you know it, you will have changed your entire regime and it will definitely, your health will thank you for it. Um, okay. In so switching it up from perfumes though, you just mentioned dump the perfumes. What's the alternatives? Ah, okay. Good question. So uh, <laughs> essential oils beautiful is my <laughs> essential oils. Yeah. Um, make sure you look at how they're made as well. Mm-hmm. Um, make sure that, you know, they're from good quality ingredients as well. And they're not just other synthetic crap, um, I think is, is really, really important. Um, your essential oils. Absolutely. It's probably the easiest. Yeah, they make easiest it smell thing. better anyway. What's more natural than nature itself? Not all these uh, processed, synthesized chemicals anyway. Even though we think we're attracted to them, so yeah, yes, cut the crap. Good. Yep, I love it. Simple. Okay. Um, now, in terms of dietary stuff, we already mentioned some things that you can avoid. So, avoiding the alcohol, the caffeine, um, any of the xenoestrogenic foods, like if. You know, if you do have a a problem with this, then your flaxseed, flaxseed meal, um, any of the soy products like what we suggested um, and your conventionally raised meat. So the swaps that you can do there is making sure that you're going for grass-fed, grass-finished, organic meat if you can, um, or if you need to stay away from red meat altogether or, you know, animal products for a little while, that's absolutely fine. Um, Dairy also fits into that category. So, you know, you really need to revisit some of these these practices. What you can do, though, is increase your fibre. 
Yeah. Making sure that you're having five with every single meal, making sure you're having plenty of really good quality veggies um, is going to help with that toxic load in your gut. It's going to help that metabolism. Um, it's going to make sure that things are getting out of your system properly. Um, losing weight, and I know this is a really hard one, um, particularly for a lot of women to get your head around, but even a slight reduction in body fat percentage um, or heading towards you know, a more optimal weight and that process that gets you there is going to really help to reduce um, your estrogen toxic load. So as we reduce our body fat percentage, percentage because of the fact that that adipose tissue is its own endocrine secreting organ it's going to help with that load as well i definitely Um, recommend people do a cleanse though before that we need to get liver function working really well because uh, as we start to increase the fat reduction we're also expelling more toxins and chemicals into the system if we've got an already overloaded liver then we just dumped more estrogen more more environmental toxins into the body and um yeah that can cause cause havoc so that's why we're talking about the diet you know the dietary stuff to get the liver Mm -hmm. function really well um, because that's so important. The liver has to function well to be able to filter out this excess in the body to then be able to eliminate correctly. And on the other end of that, you've got to have a digestive system. So your, your bowel movements have got to be effective and functional. You must be eliminating and removing all of these byproducts via your, your bowel movements Otherwise, if you're constipated and retaining this stuff, it's getting resorbed into your system. So good liver mm-hmm. function, good gut function, good bowel function are essential in order for you to eliminate the uh, excessive loads of estrogen in the body and they will help aid the weight loss as well. So, yeah, please make yeah. sure you focus on those things because if you do not have good bowel movements, you need to up your water intake. You need to increase your fibres. Now, Curiously, I noticed uh, one of the recommendations that sometimes is really a bit um, challenging here. I've, a lot of people get told, oh, just throw some flaxseed into your diet, flaxseed meal into your smoothies mm-hmm. and things like that. But I remember they're, they're estrogenic foods, so the soy and yeah. the flaxseed. So we want to reduce them. You've got so many fibrous vegetables to choose from. You don't need to have the flaxseed in the, the smoothie in the mornings. Yeah, exactly. You can simply switch it out for, say, psyllium husks if you can tolerate those. Just remember that you've got to consume heaps and heaps of water with that. So just make sure you're staying really, really well hydrated. Um, And, you know, a three-day juice cleanse is not going to cut it. No. (laughs) I am definitely not a fan of those sorts of things. So this is not a a quick fix, unfortunately. Um, You may need support. You may need to speak to someone. You may need naturopathic support. Um, You may need to talk to someone, get the right testing done so you know exactly how your liver function is and what needs to be done. you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, it's, uh, it is process driven. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the next thing you can do is just move your body. So exercise, um, increasing that metabolic rate, getting a little bit of sweatiness happening is part of how our body detoxifies anyway. So I think a good quality diet um, with some really good, um, well-maintained detoxification pathways in terms of our liver, kidney function, and certainly our bowel function as well with exercise is amazing. Um, You know, if you could do just that, that is going to help to move you into the right direction. And that's going to help with the stress levels as well, isn't it? It's going to drive down that stress response, drive down the cortisol response, um, as long as that exercise intensity is not overwhelming for you and for your physiology. But um, yeah, the next big one is the stress management. So some people need to get more aerobic, more huffy-puffy. Other people need to slow it down and bring it down a bit and uh, and reduce that. So you need to find out what works for you. And for those that are generally high achievers, high stress, high cortisol, um, you're going to slow it down and uh, yeah. you know intermittently do your high aerobic, high intensity. But every other day you need to be bringing in meditation, yoga, you know, relaxation techniques because that is just so essential for you to reduce that cortisol response. 
I agree. And the other thing that's going to help is sleep. So make sure you're all joining the 10 p.m. club. Um, You know, I'm not even going to go into this because we've harped on about sleep so, so much, but joining the 10 p.m. club in bed by 9.30 to be asleep by 10. Um, Now, in terms of supplementation, this can be something that can be very, very helpful, particularly if you are just, you've got really high levels of estrogen um, and you just keep recycling things. Um, Taking DIM has been shown to certainly help with that estrogen metabolism. Um, or you can really just super dose yourself on any of your cruciferous vegetables. Um, so, which is kind of that that whole dim principle as well. Um, I like to use, and I, when I say I like to use, and I'm saying this very very carefully with patients, I like to use very very careful amounts of calcium deglucurate, which is part of that metabolic process in the liver, so that you're not just you know keeping recycling that estrogen um, through your system. So, um, that's a compounded product, and it has to be used with great care um, and obviously enhancing liver and gut function too all really really essential pathways um, and a little caveat here adding progesterone cream or progesterone products is not going to fix it um, in the most part and in my experience it adds fuel to the fire so if you don't manage your stress and you're just putting more um, progesterone into your system you're just giving your cortisol more oomph yeah, it's fascinating that, isn't it? Because often that's one of the first things that they suggest is to supplement with bioidentical progesterone creams. Um, mm-hmm. And that's in order to really establish balance in those progesterone estrogen ratios. But you've got to remember, if you keep driving estrogen up, if estrogen is not being cleared from your body, what is the point of just dumping in progesterone? Is that just a quick fix band-aid effect or do you think you're actually solving the problem? And hopefully you've just gone, oh, yeah, that's a band-aid effect because it is. It's not solving the underlying problem. So we're talking about underlying solutions. You've really got to work on the reasons why the estrogen levels are high before you just start dumping progesterone into the system to try and uh, restore the ratio, so to speak. It's, it's temporarily, and I know there's a lot of women probably listening saying, yeah, yeah, but it worked for me. Just remember it's a temporary solution. What happens if you stop taking it? And I find that most women will plateau on that after about three months anyway, and then yeah. their system um, or their symptoms will reoccur with a vengeance again. So um, in when it comes to hormonal balance, more is not more. No. There is a very delicate balance with this, um, and testing is essential as well because also you want to see your markers change with your lifestyle changes as well, which I think is really encouraging and helpful for women too. Um, well, so yeah. Let's let's summarize this. Let's wrap this all up because okay. we've got uh, so much to stuff and I know we could almost do another episode yeah. on this. Estrogen dominance is just a really common condition. I think that's that's the long yeah. story short. There's so many women with this and if you don't address the underlying causes that are causing this, then you're going to end up with some serious health challenges and that cascade happens uh, significantly over time. So the key is to try and bring things back to balance um, as we've gone through. We've and already- I think... I think, Ash, that's the key. It's balance. Estrogen yeah, yeah. is so good. We want estrogen. We want yeah, it there. Yeah. We just don't want it to be overloaded or imbalanced. No, yeah. we're not trying to get rid of estrogen. Yeah. We're not kind of, you know, trying to trying to remove estrogen. We're just trying to bring it back to balance and, and restore mm-hmm. that estrogen-progesterone ratio primarily in men and women. So, um, look, we talked about it today. We've talked about, you know, eating your balanced diet, removing pe- hormones, pesticides, antibiotics, things like that. Um, supplements as needed, as we just talked about there. Mm-hmm. You're looking at um, the use of certain supplements that will help with, particularly for living function clearance and things like that of the excess estrogen um you're looking at exercise that promotes your circulation and detoxification pathways um avoiding those environmental estrogens that we call xenoestrogens and removing from your diet the strong phytoestrogenic foods such as soy and flaxseed um remember stay positive be upbeat about this it's not doom and gloom we can get things uh, 
we can get things back into balance. And uh, it is that word, balance is the key to all of this. Awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies, if you need help with this, please reach out to us. We would love to hear from you. Um, you can contact us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash the wellness women. Um, you can find us on Instagram underscore the wellness women. You can consult with us personally as well. Um, so don't forget that we are also a resource um, that is available to you if you need. Um, we would love to hear if there's been anything in particular that you have found that has helped with this or have you been told or diagnosed with something along these lines. We'd love you to share your experience. Um, on the social media handles as well. Our website is thewellnesswomen.com.au. Make sure you're sharing this with your girlfriends who you think might benefit from this episode in particular. Um, make sure you've subscribed to us on iTunes. Give us a five-star rating if you think we deserve it and you know we'll love that. But ladies, until next week, be well. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.